Today, I am chatting with Alex Reclean from RotoWire as we continue our journey around the fantasy basketball world, uh, finding out how he got to the top of the tree. Let's go, balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International, fbibasketball.com is the website. Head over there, check out all of our uh, dynasty content. Matt Lawson's got a ton coming out at the moment. I've got some player ranks uh, up at the moment, as does my guest, Alex Reclean. We are the only two nutbags stupid enough to have rankings out at the moment. Alex, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, looking looking forward to summer and the easy season. And uh, uh, Celtics are, I don't know when this will publish, but at the time of this recording, Celtics are doing pretty good and uh, optimistic and things are good. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, we don't have specific dates for these yet. I, I would say it would be maybe in end of May, maybe early June. So hopefully the Celtics hopefully are, Celtics are still going to be doing great then. Still playing, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, people would have been listening to these. It's, it's just about half an hour sitting down with analysts um, during the sort of the downtime or the off-season talking about how they got to where they are um, in fantasy basketball and just in life, what they do outside of fantasy basketball. For a lot of us, this isn't our full-time job unfortunately as much as we would like it to be um we do need to earn a living <laughs> elsewhere um of all the the uh, analysts other than josh uh lloyd obviously because he lives here in australia with me um alex is actually someone that i've met face to face um i think you're the, the first one um that i've interviewed <laughs> so uh we we managed to catch up uh at summer league in 2019 i think yeah, the zion 2019, the, zion 2019. the earthquake uh, yep. um summer league so that was that was good it's always good and hopefully we'll catch up again when i'm over there later in the year so uh look from a um a fantasy analyst perspective so i said you you work for rotowire but you you also contribute for a few other sites as well yep. um so do you want to just I, I guess give us a little bit um, of information about who you do contribute for and how you well we'll start with fantasy so how I guess your journey and, and how it started and how you got to where you are now sure so right now uh, I work for Rotowire that's sort of most of where where I do my fantasy stuff uh, I also do some stuff for uh, DraftKings their DK Live app um, which is a really good in-game stats app. Um, uh, I find it loads quickly and easier to maneuver than, <laughs> you know, ESPN or several of the other apps. Um, so gonna pl plug our, our app there. Um, but, but, um, so I do some, some work for them. Uh, those are the two places I work for directly, but, you know, as you're talking about the, the fantasy industry, um, one of the sort of weird nuances of the fantasy industry is the way that 
I work for Rotowire and but a lot of my articles get published on CBS or Yahoo. Um, and without like totally boring your um, listeners with like the specific logistics of that, um, it is through a partnership between those sites and those sort of business side partnerships are actually kind of common. Um, so you, uh, many of you may know me from the weekly CBS waiver wire columns uh, through the season that I've been doing for a couple of years. Um, and, and that's sort of m- most of what I've been doing uh, since my kids were born. I, I used to do a lot more and um, slowed down a lot when kids get in the way. Don't they? <laughs> once, once those kids started coming. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, and, and yeah, that is true. Yeah, RotoWire does have a few standing partnerships with with other um, platforms, and 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 so yeah, you do see your articles pop up, and the player blurbs obviously pop up yeah. in a few different places as well. Um, so so for you, like, so I I know that uh, fantasy basketball isn't your full time. It's not what you do every day, all day. You you have a a life outside of fantasy basketball and outside of family. So what is it that you do um, during the day? Well, so right now, so so I'll, I'll sort of do the whole story because it, it'll work be- easiest that way. Good idea. Um, uh, so I started um, in 2013. Uh, I, was, I was finishing up in grad school and I was looking. I'm a certified uh, teacher to teach math and history at the high school level. And as I was looking for teaching jobs and remember, you know, this is 2012, 2013, this is sort of, um, back when it, at least in the United States, um, teaching jobs were a little harder to come by than they are, um, these days, uh, that process for a couple of years that after the great recession was really competitive. Uh, and so I, as I was sort of plugging away, looking for teaching jobs, I was, uh, procrastinating by writing a couple fantasy basketball articles. Um, and I started just with so, some sort of random startup blog that is long since de- deceased. Um, and I was sort of sharing those articles around and, um, similar to, uh, the story that Josh told, uh, on your podcast that was released, um, already Kyle McEwen, uh, he, he saw my articles and sort of reached out and was like, Hey, if, if you can write this, you can work for us. Um, and so, so sort of quickly got started on the very low part-time rung at Rotowire. Um, so I worked in education, uh, teaching, for a few years doing part-time rotowire stuff trying to just slowly build you know from you know it started as my i I was the magic and then the seven and then i switched from magic to 76ers beat writer where i was just like checking the local news for orlando and then for philadelphia and writing blurbs the rare time something happened that in the news that wasn't already caught and written up by um, the other Adam at Rotowire, uh, who's on the ball. Um, and, um, and so I, I was doing that and then I got a monthly sort of Friday night shift that paid very poorly, but I was like, 
Um, and then I started doing, this was sort of as DFS was building up. And so Rotowire started releasing more DFS articles. And that was my first article. And I was like, I have an article with my name on it. Like every, every step of the way, you know, there are all these mini steps that were super exciting. Um, and I became a regular contributor with several weekly things um, by 2016 when I wanted to leave the school I was at and decided to sort of take the leap. Um, I figured I, I'd built up enough of a reputation and, and work amount at Rotowire that uh, I could jump and try to do this full time. Um, and, you know, financially it was a hit. Uh, I could not have done it without my incredibly supportive wife. <laughs> um, but I, you know, gave, I, I gave it a try. And um, for four years, uh, fantasy was, it, it, nothing was salaried. Everything was putting together a hodgepodge of freelance and contract work for different companies. But for four years, I was full-time fantasy writing. Um, and then in uh, 2020, um, in just before, early 2020, just before COVID hit, um, I had my first son and I really pulled back. Um, and since then, I have been... I, I still do some writing, of course. I still have my weekly my weekly waivers yeah. column and, and a couple other things. Uh, but I pulled way back and I'm doing as much full time dadding as I can. Um, at, with the only caveat being a sort of weird, neat thing. Uh, for the last couple of years, uh, this is my fourth year doing it. I have been teaching a college course on the fantasy sports business. Um, and so every spring I have a bit more work uh, in, in addition to parent and fantasy basketball where I'm teaching this college course. And, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, get to sort of dip my toes back in teaching and, and also work at fantasy. So um, always sort of hard to define my <laughs> career and what do you do? Uh, but, you know, uh, a lot of parenting and, um, some teaching and some fantasy stuff. Yeah, well, I think I was thinking that actually when when we did uh, in 2019 when we were at that summer league that yeah you just said that was before you you had kids so a lot changes very quickly yeah. once you have kids. Um, look, at, at, for me, I mean, the fact that a course even exists based around fantasy sport is is mind blowing. Like I, that yeah. that's I I wouldn't think there's anything like that here in Australia. Um, so for, in terms of that core, like what, what, what's the purpose, I suppose, of a course like that? Yeah. Is it to get people into the space of writing and, and that sort of thing? So um, as far as I know, there's only one other course in the country. I haven't like done an exhaustive search of the world, but at least in the United States, as far as I know, there's only one other course like it. Um, I, I came up with the idea and pitched it to a college. Um, and the, I, my, my premise is I, it's a part of the sports management department. And my core premise is um, if you want to work in sports as a business, um, you need to be familiar with the fantasy landscape yep. because 
that is an important growing part of the sports business. And those are some of potentially your most engaged customers nice. and your the customers most likely to spend. Um, you know, the there are studies out that people who play fantasy sports uh, have a way higher average income than the average American. And they're more likely to be college educated. And there, there's like all these demographic thing signals um, that say that like, where are good target audience for business. Uh -huh. um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of, there are, so, I get people who are already super into fantasy and want to join the industry. And we've got a unit for that. Um, yeah. I've got a unit of like how to be better at fantasy sports, even if I don't know what sport you're playing. Um, but there's also sort of a lot of business side stuff around like, what are companies spending money on? How are companies making money? Um, uh, stuff along those lines. What's the regulatory uh, situation of impacting fantasy sports? Um, with yeah, so that core idea of just like if you want to work in sports, yeah, you you need to be conversant and like knowledgeable on the fantasy side, or else yeah. you're not going to be as good as your job as you should be. Yeah, and look, I think, uh, I mean, for me, that that rings really true because if I, I know, like, obviously the people that we work with and, and the analysts, and even a lot of the just the the people that follow us and and comment and ask questions and that sort of thing, that you can you can see they know what they're talking about. You watch some of these NBA games, and I don't know if I'm on an island here, but some of those commentators, you have to wonder, like, how much other than sitting and watching the game that they're commentating, how much research do they actually do ahead of time? And oh, my theory is that Shaq and Charles Barkley haven't watched a game that they weren't <laughs> paid for in 15 years. Yeah. Okay, um, and okay. they, I, I'm calling them out by name, but there are so many others who yeah. are in a very similar situation. Yeah. Um, they, yeah there are right. a lot of people. And, and, and they're just like every, you know, it was it's a couple of years outdated at this point but when they did a who he play for over sean holmes i was just like this guy is starting like what what yeah. do you how do you not know this guy every single fantasy player in the country even people who are not very good at fantasy mm. yeah. know who knew who rashawn holmes was um and national broadcasters didn't and and i think it says something about um us as an audience we are an engaged group of of potential consumers uh, that's right and i think the fact that obviously for if you're playing fantasy you need to know about all players and all teams and and the, the league as a whole whereas you listen to some of the even just the local callers so that who, who just call their team they know about their team mm -hmm. but when a, a visiting team comes in and they're they're commentating on that they they'll say things that you just go uh, really? Not true. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you, you don't know who this guy is. The the name pronunciations are are just wacky and way off on on some players. It's it's pretty frustrating to think yeah. that these guys are getting paid all this money to to do it, a job and they don't do yeah. it well. A, a related concept is like it, it drives me nuts that no fantasy writer or analyst um, has a vote on the. Um, like I, I'm not saying it should be me. It it probably shouldn't. There are bigger fantasy names. Yeah, than me. yeah, yeah. But but 
someone in the fantasy space should have a vote on all NBA and, and all-star, et cetera. Like there are people who, you know, you listen to them talk and it's just super duper clear that they haven't watched a regular season wizards game or thought about a regular season (laughs) wizards game in years. Um, Whereas the fantasy community, like we are the analysts and we are the consumers who pay attention to the league as a whole. Um, And so, so those are the kinds of stuff that I sort of try to advocate for. I haven't found a receptive audience in the league yet, (laughs) league office yet, but I I hope to someday. My my dream is to somehow someday convince the league to, uh, to give someone a vote. doesn't, I'm not asking for it to maybe, I just want someone, someone in our space to have a vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, based on obviously followers, it's it's probably going to be someone like Josh. Um, I would assume it would be Josh, who, frankly, who's sort of, <laughs> I guess, yeah, in terms of exposure, that sort of thing. He's right at the top at the moment. So, um, yeah, look, it. I couldn't agree more. I think that'd be uh, amazing. So, so outside of fantasy, I mean, you've much like a lot of the analysts I've spoken to, you you have got two young kids, so they tend to take up. A lot of your time when they're that age they're very dependent and um but when you're when you're not parenting and, and when you do get some downtime what's what sort of things do you enjoy doing whether it's with your wife or by yourself um i mean for a lot of us fantasy basketball is sort of the hobby that we like spending time doing and it just happens to be a job as well but um yeah any any other specific sports that you enjoy following anything else um boston college hasn't had a good basketball or football team in a few years but when they do i get very into that um any of you who follow me on twitter know that i get unreasonably excited when reggie jackson or kai bowman for a couple of weeks (laughs) the year the warriors were bad i i uh, get real pumped for them um uh i'm a big uh new england patriots fan i follow the NFL very closely. Um, I haven't done much in fantasy football since my kids were born, but um, before my kids were born, I was doing at least as much football for DraftKings um, as I was doing some some basketball stuff. Um, uh, my In terms of just like hobbies, my wife points out that I have a penchant for enjoying digging holes in the ground. Um, <laughs> Uh, we bought a house a couple of years ago and I've just like done landscape project after landscape project that requires digging holes. I, I don't, <laughs> I just planted two new uh, trees in the front yard today. And so spent the weekend digging a bunch of holes. <laughs> um, I think surely you have to update your Twitter profile with, <laughs> with something around digging holes. I think that would be yeah. perfect. Um, you know, I really like watching movies. Um, uh, I don't do as much of it as I wish I did, but, um, I enjoy doing just sort of nonfiction writing. Um, yeah. uh, don't do nearly as much of that as I wish I would, I, I, but enjoy cooking. Yeah. Normal, yeah. normal okay. dad stuff. Yeah. 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 Normal dad stuff. The, <laughs> so for, in terms of movies, any specific genre, like for me, it's, it's, I mean, I, I like a range of movies, but I love horror movies. So, so I, I go and watch them anytime a horror movie comes out at the cinema. I'm, I'm always <laughs> there watching it. Um, 
and not a lot of people like it. Like it's a bit a bit niche, the horror genre, I suppose. It has gone a bit more mainstream in the last five, ten years. Um, yeah. any, any specific movies come to mind for you that, that you can go back and watch again yeah. and again? Well, so, yeah, so I, I uh, have three very sp- – I, I have pr- – I, I don't watch horror at all. Um, okay. <laughs> one of the first weekends away with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, um, just, like, being playful, I, like, hid behind a wall and, like, jumped out to scare her. Yes. And literally, instead of, like, screaming, ah, or, like, something, she just shouted, I don't like scary movies. Um, like the full <laughs> sentence, uh, and and I don't either. Um, I I do I do have sort of I tend to to watch a lot of the like I'll get really invested in a in a sequence. Um, I've seen all the MC move, MCU movies multiple times. Yeah, uh, except Eternals, that was so bad. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen all the Star Wars and stuff like that. Um. Uh, I've been going through the Fast and Furious movies lately. Those are a delight. Um, my my three favorite favorite movies. Uh, one, I, I knew this question was coming, so I, I chose my wardrobe intentionally. Uh, keen-eyed viewers might notice that this is the Lebowski sweater um, yes. that he's wearing for much of the movie. Um, <laughs> a, a great uh, Hanukkah gift back back from a couple of years ago. Um, uh, so Lebowski, um, I very unironically love the movie Speed Racer, uh, the live action, like 2008 okay. one. Yep. I think Emil Hirsch is the lead. Uh, yes. I, <laughs> a lot of people pan that movie. I think it is a delight. Um, <laughs> Interesting choice. It is, it is so colorful and just like, it knows what it is and it leans so hard into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The inspector detector suspected foul play just like <laughs> perfect the dialogue um uh and then and fantastic mr fox um okay is, is those those are sort of the three that the i will watch those three any day anytime they're like my happy place um and, and your i mean with your kids are still very young so what your your oldest your eldest is is three ish yeah. um transitioning into the Disney and, and the kids movie space yet? I have tried to get this kid to watch like some of the, like I tried to get him to watch um, Moana because yes. like I enjoyed Moana. That was a fun yes. movie. He just has no interest in anything that isn't Sesame <laughs> okay. Street related. Okay. Um, I, I guess Winnie the Pooh. He likes Winnie the Pooh too. Um, but if it's not Sesame, he loves watching Sesame Street, um, yeah. but I cannot get him to watch anything else. Okay, we'll uh, give it time. <laughs> even when I try. Um, looking forward to getting some diversity in, in there. Yeah, it is, it is good when they reach that yeah. age. Because, I mean, as you said, like Moana, a lot of the Disney movies now, they make them for adults as well. Yeah. Um, and... And and you're then happy to sit and I mean Frozen maybe not Frozen but with a, a lot of them you're happy to sit and watch them again. It was a solid movie. It was fine. I I actually preferred the sequel with Frozen. I, I liked the second one. Um, a big ongoing debate between one of my one of my good one of my uh, friend groups from college is, uh, is okay. Frozen or Frozen Two. 
treatises via tech via group chat have been written. yeah okay yeah no i don't know why i like the second one but a lot of kids movies yeah i'm and i mean i love a lot of the old disney movies aladdin lion king all those yeah. uh, robin hood is one of my favorite ones so it is good when the kids do get to that that age a little bit mm -hmm. uh, and you can start sitting down watching those and and then my son now who's who's about to turn 13 we've just finished watching stranger things and um all the Star Wars movies, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, all the Godzilla movies. So he's moving into that space now where I can watch the all Godzilla those. Godzilla movies are so silly. Man, they are very those are so silly. <laughs> they are. But he just likes big things, big monsters. Yeah. Have uh, you seen Pacific Rim? He has, yes. He yeah, likes Pacific uh, Rim. That's, another, that's um, another good one. Yeah. So we watched uh, <laughs> Rampage the other day with the Dwayne Johnson. Oh, what about um uh the one with Hugh Jackman um Real Steel or something? Oh, he hasn't watched that actually, but uh, that's a good that, that a good large things fighting movie. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. He, there's only a few couple of check boxes when we have to pick a movie to watch. There, then there's not many. Like it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> well, so while we're while we're diving in on stupid movies, which you know, great fantasy basketball content. Uh, <laughs> strongly recommend for like people to not watch the transformers movies i wouldn't wish that on anyone but read the detailed uh plot synopsis on wikipedia of the transformers movies okay. that is high comedy <laughs> <laughs> because right. trying to take that movie seriously enough to write a fact-based detailed yep. plot synopsis is some great unintentional comedy. Right. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't okay. wish those movies upon, <laughs> upon no, anyone. No. But, uh, and there's a new one coming out. So they just, they keep pumping them out. Just what we all wanted. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be going to Wikipedia once we're done here <laughs> yeah. to do a bit of light reading on my day off. Um, <laughs> so I guess the, uh, the final question, and this is a fantasy one, although we're not here to specifically talk about fantasy. Um, Victor Wembanyama is obviously a, a player that's on the well on the radar. Has been on the radar for twelve, almost twelve months now. Um, Please, we we need to start thinking about him in terms of next season and where he's going to be drafted. So, a two part question. The first part being, where would you be comfortable at at the moment? I mean, this could change obviously with where he's drafted that sort of thing. But at the moment, as of right now, where would you be comfortable? drafting him next season and the second part is where do you think his adp will fall once we're in the midst of draft season so i think his adp will fall probably in the early third if i had to guess um i think it'll start more late third and by the time we get close to the season It'll be early third, maybe even second round. Um, and as you know, I am uh, famously never rookie. Um, yes, you are. This is this is like you know literally one of my my biggest talking points in the fantasy space is uh, don't draft a rookie but before the hundredth pick uh, in your fantasy drafts. Um, and I've written multiple articles about yeah. the logic behind what, about why that cutoff, et cetera. 
Um, I, he's my exception. He's this is the first time since 2013 that I've been writing about rookies that I am going to sit here and say I am totally fine with using a third round pick on him. Um, yeah. Uh, now I want to be a little careful about that. Um, I in friends leagues where I think that I'm better than my opponents and I think I'm going to do well anyways. I, I'm, but an important part of fan, you know, this is a, That's right. no, you talking like... about this with my kid, my students last week. Um, an important part of fantasy is knowing your opponent level. Yes. Um, when you are in a friends and family league and you think that you're one of the better people in the league, you should take fewer risks because you taking less risks is going to do, do, generate one of the best teams. When, when I'm in a league with other analysts where the quality of competition is high and like I have, if I come in, if I don't make the playoffs in a friends and family league, I'm embarrassed. I'm the fantasy guy who can't make the playoffs. But if I come in last in a league amongst analysts, I don't care. All of you guys are good. All of us are doing this as our job. Like, I don't, I don't feel shame in that. And so not only is there less downside to like bombing, but I need to take more upside risks in order to have a chance to win just because the quality of competition is so high. And it's in those competitive leagues where I'm talking about Wemby in the third round. Um, in a friends and family league, I would rather late fourth, maybe even fifth if I can. I don't, but unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be there for that. Um, no. So, so functionally, it, in a league where I expect to be one of the best teams just by nature of my job, um, my answer would be kind of stay away. I, I think the ADP is just going to be too high. But in a competitive setting, I, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm going to probably be drafting a little bit of Wemba Nyama this season, and it'll be the first time I've drafted a rookie in the top 100 ever. Ever? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly in a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I've asked this question to everyone, and, and there's there's mixed responses. Um, quite a few people can see him going as early as top 15. Um so sort of on the turn in some spaces. Other Most people are, are very similar in terms of where they want to take him, and it's around that third round. Like, I think that's pretty consensus across all analysts, yeah. um, except for have a feeling Dr. A was was happy to reach as high as he needs to to get him, and which he does. He he just gets his guys. He doesn't care about public yeah. perception or, or ADP or anything. So it's... Yeah, I think a little bit like you. Like I would love to have him on my on at least one team this season. Um, yeah. And it's going to be fun. It is, and I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, where he's going to go for in terms of a landing spot. So to where where he lands in the draft, do you have a preferred landing spot for him, or, or you don't really see a difference? For fantasy, I'm not sure. There's a huge difference. Um... I guess the Rockets probably isn't ideal just because of the infrastructure around 
the the lacking infrastructure and the fact that that team's strongest um, at at power forward. Um, yep. But I I really it. But he's if you get Wemby, you're building around Wemby, so it doesn't really yeah. matter so much. Um, I really have been thinking it much more from the perspective of just like for the sake of NBA and being a fan, what do I want? Um, and that's really, I've, I've spent much more time thinking about that than, than mm. for fantasy. Cause for fantasy, I'm not sure it's going to make a huge difference. And I just want him to go somewhere where I have a ton of confidence in the training staff. Um, so, you know, uh, the Spurs, I think we tend yeah. to trust their training staff. Um, Phoenix, at least historically, tended to have a pretty good training staff. Uh, New Orleans, historically, is a nightmare for injuries. So, yeah. like, please, you know, protect Wemby at all costs. Keep him away. Um, uh, the Spurs are my, my rooting... Um, destination just because it won't annoy me if the spurs are good and if they get this incredible building block and i think that they uh have the ability to like sort of protect him in a way that i don't trust every team to and yeah and the re the the reason i have Wemby in the third round and not in the second round is because games played you know he's not playing more than 65 games next year like no. 65 is the upper limit. He's probably playing less than that. Um, they are going to like, they are going to be generous with load management and they have to be, and they should be. Um, he, you know, give this guy some time to develop an NBA body. Um, so the games played issue and, and the health risk is the only re is the reason I have him in the third and not even higher. I, you know, to the idea of someone drafting him at 15 in a fantasy draft, like feels like a, a reach really you're running out of upside. If you take him that high, Yeah. Um, you know, it, if he has the best season possible, you're still barely profiting. Um, but after the top 10, it's a very muddled group after that. Mm. Um, and so if you want to play around, you like, you feel like, you know, you, you've got one of those like 11 to 20 guys that you think is a rock solid hit. And you, because that area is so muddled, do you think you're going to get them? I, I get it. If you want to take Wendy that early, like I, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea, but I, there are plenty of worse ideas in the world. Yeah, yeah. I think as you said, it's interesting. Like having you've obviously done your some rankings, and I've done mine. And I, I think next season, when I was going through the looking at tiers and all that sort of stuff, I think after about pick eight ish, pick nine, there's actually a run of almost a round's worth of players that could all easily be first round per game yeah. guys. Yeah. And so I, I think again, much like this season, but I think actually picking, if you don't get pick one or two, maybe you really want to be picking towards the back end of the first yeah. round. Ideally, I think that's where I'd like to land yeah. next season. 
I agree. I think you want pick one, um, and then my next group of picks is sort of either like nine, ten, or two. I, yeah. I do think there's some value in two, um, but yeah, uh, I think in, so. in getting getting SGA. Yeah. Um, but but getting I, I for me when I was looking at it, and again, I'm gonna totally ignore the rankings. I when we're making ranks in August, I'm gonna throw out what we did. I'm gonna <laughs> make my ranks. And then I'll go back and be like, "Hey, have I like got changed too much?" Yeah. But I'm going to start from scratch when I when I do this again in August. Uh, but looking at what I did last time, I, I was I really thought that you could make a pretty coherent argument for nine different players at pick two, and like I had an order for them. Um, but for me, for me, it was nine players who, if you wanted to take them second, like I'm not going to fault you. Uh, which yeah. means that I, I would like to pick towards the bottom of that range to get one of yeah. them, and I don't care which. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I agree. Uh, it was a little bit like that this year, but I think even yep. more pronounced. Um, and if we look at, I mean, I haven't done the looked at all the data yet, but I think from memory, the average games played now is sitting at around 68, 70. Yeah. So you don't have to... Oh, I mean, well, Kawhi's a poster child, I guess, for this, but you don't need to look at these guys like Kevin Durant and yeah. um, Kyrie Irving and sort of go, well, if they're not going to play 80 games or 75 games, do I really want to draft them this high? Because they only really need to be playing 65 to to be almost on par with the rest of the league. Um that that's just the way it's headed. I think unless the league reduces the number of games to seventy two, it, but it's 70, not happening. But it's not going to happen. No, no. So it's it's all about the money and revenue and all that sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So interesting. Um, look, I'm going to let you go and and go and check on your your family and make sure make sure they're all still functioning um, before you go. Uh, again, this is a, a bit of a downtime and, and in, during the off season. But what sort of things have you got uh, on the agenda leading into sort of August when when we start looking at our ranks seriously? Gloriously, nothing. I'm Very not good. writing again. <laughs> uh, next article I write is going to be why I'm breaking never never rookie for Wembenyama. And uh, the way I look at it, I have three months to slowly write that thing. Uh, <laughs> Very good. And I'm not, I'm not writing anything until I write that. And uh, I am delighted about that. <laughs> Find me you, on Twitter. I'll tweet stuff, but I'm, I'm not writing anything. Find at Rick Lane on Twitter. <laughs> Are you, so for me, before I let you go, the so for me, this season, I, I got into Dynasty a little mm-hmm. bit with the, 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 what's it called? The Pro 30 or F, yeah. the FBI 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dynasty 30, I think. Is Dynasty a? Because obviously now is the time when a lot of the content is out and coming out. Matt Lawson is producing a lot. Uh, Yeah, is that is that sort of something that you've always been into, or are you getting into that space a little bit more? Like for me, this time of year is the downtime, but I'm actually enjoying all of the Dynasty content. Um, Not only to assist with my journey down the dynasty path but also just in terms of redraft leagues for next season um i've i've played dynasty for maybe four or five years i think that 
my first dynasty league that I was in, uh, Luca was a rookie. Um, so I guess that would make this the fifth season. Sorry, I got to plug in my computer. Um, so I've played that long, but I've always really loved the game theory of keepers. Um, yeah. And so, and, and some of my favorite leagues were keeper leagues. So um, I, I really love thinking about dynasty and keeper stuff, but um, I've only actually been in a dynasty league for about five years now. Yeah. And, and I would just say like, for a lot of people, this three-month period now is is when you can step away from fantasy and have a mental break and and not have to worry about the NBA that sort of thing. I would recommend just at least just listening into a, a podcast, whether it's Matt or whether it's like Rhett Bauer does some really good stuff as well. Um, yep. Noah Rubin's got his new show out, so just keeping I guess you a foot in the door because a lot of what they talk about is relevant to to not only dynasty but redraft. So I, I think that's just a I guess a piece of advice. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you learn a lot. You, you get better at fantasy by learning about basketball. You know, Zach Lowe is a great fantasy basketball podcast. And I'm pretty yes. sure that that man has never played a fantasy game <laughs> in his life. Um, but, you know, learning about the league in that way um, yep. is, I think, being attuned to what's happening and and how players are developing, et cetera, is really uh, always good. Even in, even if you play redraft, um, it it definitely is helpful to be aware of that stuff. Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, look, thanks for coming on. Uh, That was, that was fun. Um, fun Chat to people Um, that will do it for today's show. Uh, Remember, check out, all of our content, as I said, fbibasketball.com is the website. All of Matt's stuff over there. Uh, follow us on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Um, we're slowly making our way to a 1,000 subscribers. I think we've unofficially made that a goal for us before next season. If we can get to a 1,000, that would be really good. So um, all of those subscribes are appreciated. Until next time, catch you later. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.